0: Marcel is now retired, a nurse with 37 years experience, never thought he'd finish his career in the middle of a global pandemic. He's always been so supportive of me in my career, my writing, and now the podcast, so I had no doubt he'd say yes to coming on. He discusses with me what it was like to be a male in the profession 30 years ago, his advice to nursing students, and we more or less just spend the next hour catching up. We did have some spotty connection at times, so fair warning. But I did say this podcast wouldn't be perfect. How's it going? How's retirement?
1: Great, great, uh, um, exactly like you would think. I think uh, it's uh, it's been the bomb. That's amazing. I highly, rec- I highly recommend it.
0: Oh, I am I am nowhere close, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Okay hey, so Marcel we talked before you retired and uh I you know I shared with you how a race call experience with you was the reason I wanted to go to the ICU. Mm-hmm. Um which was really nice. It was nice to sit down and have that that little bonding conversation with you. There's a softer side to you that not everyone knows.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hear that a lot. Do you? Yeah, from individuals, yeah. <laughs> okay so shocked they're always shocked when i'm uh when i'm you know uh i don't know pleasant and uh you know vulnerable i don't know
0: when you're a nice guy
1: yeah well <laughs> yeah it's funny i mean i joke about my my persona at work literally came out of the uh the drill sergeant thing at some point i don't know where it came from but i i um i became this guy that you know would taunt you with how uh, dominant I was at what I was doing jokingly, but it it became like a thing and and it's funny and so people don't uh, again, I I was all surprised later to hear people go oh I was so afraid of you and it began and I'm like, really like you know like I, I also thought it was an act personally, but
0: that's so funny. you are you're sarcastic and mm-hmm. um very, very dry. and if you don't get that and we had <laughs> I was having a bad shift not that long ago. and um, you probably remember. And you came over, and you were like, "Why am I the B bed? Like, you're you're the backup staff." Okay. <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck off!"
1: <laughs> but I know you. That's you right. There was B a bed. in the room. The rooms were double cohorted, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there was an A and a B bed. And, yeah, and the and A had the monitor. I'm, I'm totally kidding when I say I should be the A bed. Like I'm the A team. You're the B team, right? Like.
0: And I knew you were you know, kidding.
1: I know, but then that's my point is that if, if you really think that's me, I can't help anything. Right. But, but again, in critical care, you should be able to analyze that. He's got to be kidding. Right. I mean, like literally um, it's like the beds are randomly assigned almost. You know what I mean? Like, or anyway,
0: I believe I told you to shut the fuck up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, I remember that. And I thought, oh, God, she's arrived. She's here. I can leave now.
0: She's got it exactly. all under control. <laughs> Okay, so how long were you a nurse for?
1: Uh, I was 36 years in, uh, at the, uh, so, oh, sure, can I say that? I was going to say this ahead of time. Thank I'll, I'll beep, beep it out. On. Yeah, I'll beep it out. I, yeah, and I was going to say um, uh, my apologies to uh, Ryan, right? That's your husband?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> who's your technical guy who's going to be editing everything? He's He's got his work cut out for him. Thanks a lot,
0: Ryan. I know he, he couldn't figure out today how to put it, um, explicit on one of the, mm-hmm. on one of the, like, whatever it is, Apple. And, right. um, I was like, it's fine in this specific episode. I think I only said shit once, but I've got Marcel <laughs> tonight. So you're going to have to figure it out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I think I can, I think I can PG it for, uh, you know, for an hour, you know, in no a oh. we're day but that's not authentic, Marcel. No, you're right. No, you're right. It's, <laughs> not, it's not. Anyway, so 36 years, uh, you know, at um, uh, in um, the, at the, the hospital. And uh, I did a year in the community before that. So 37. You worked um, in the community? Yeah. When I first graduated, um, there was, a, you know, the the uptake for nurses was a little on the short side. You know what I mean? So uh, I worked, and I actually, I worked at a couple of agencies by choice. To um, to see what was out there, I literally went to every institution in the city. You know, like I went to the, you know, I went to other, uh, <laughs> I went to other acute care hospitals. I went to chronic care hospitals. I went to nursing homes. I uh, I worked at a um, a home for kids with cerebral palsy. Like everything that conceivably a nursing could do, with a new, you know, grad license. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, settled in on uh, acute care at, the, at a tertiary care hospital uh, after about a year.
0: When you came to the hospital, did you go straight to the ICU?
1: No, no, I did. Um, I did about uh, two years on um, on a floor that was uh, thoracics, plastics, general surge. It was a burn ward um yeah a real mishmash um it yeah. was a good uh, it was a good baptism into uh, nursing you saw everything and uh actually what happened was staples if you can believe it were brand new then and uh during my training as i, I trained at a, a children's hospital when staples were first coming in and and um like literally the day the rep came in with the new device i studied it pretty well and uh because i did my consolidation part of it in the OR uh, I knew how to use it and uh, became a resource for it. And uh, they had been they had used them on a patient in ICU, but they didn't know how to what to do with them. They needed to remove them, so uh, I went to ICU to assist. And I was there like about five minutes, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is where I got to be! Like this is this is the bomb, you know what I mean?" Yeah. Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, it it was just really a good fit. I couldn't believe the level of autonomy they had. Like, I, like they asked me, like, what do you need? Like, they just said, what do you need? You know what I mean? As if, as if I'm running. I'm well. All we're doing is removing staples, right? But it's foreign to them, right? There's just a device that you use to remove them. And I said, well, the first thing is, you know, can we give them some pain control? And they were like, and this was the nurses, right? The yeah. nurses were like, yeah, what do you want? And I'm like, well, what do you have ordered? And they go, oh, but what's ordered? What do you want? We can get you whatever you want. And I'm like, wait, what? Like I had no idea the concept and, and even the, the carts, I remember in ICU, everything you needed to do your job was right there, you know, a foot away, right? Like every, when you're at the, when you're on a ward and you need something, you know, you have to go, you know, down three corridors and hopefully when you get, I don't think a lot of people understand that about what it's like, but you ask for anything and someone has to go get it, but they might, you might not have it right. You have to look for it or whatever, but yeah, ICU was a different world.
0: Yeah, and not just on that floor; they might have to go to another floor.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. or call and ask somebody they've never seen it, they've never heard of it. You know what I mean? Whereas, yeah. like I said, the uh, the level of autonomy they had, I found extremely appealing, and the fact that they could devote this. And the other thing was, I had never done a procedure on the floor before. then than that, um, like if I was removing those staples on the floor, and I said, "Hey, I'm removing the staples. If anyone wants to see it done, maybe my buddy shows up. You know what I mean? Maybe my coworker, maybe, but." but they're like a small crowd gathered, you know what I mean? Because they all like, they're that kind of proactive, you know what I mean? Not, not to say that the nurses on the floor is anything wrong with their philosophy. They just have too much to do to devote any time to this and they'll deal with it when they get there. Whereas in ICU, they're like, no, like, like let's put everything on hold and go see how this works and have someone show us so we can do it ourselves next time.
0: Right. Yeah. It's uh, it's two different worlds. And um, I think you working both, I've worked both. You uh, you really appreciate your equipment and the time you can dedicate to your patients and to individual learning on the fly when you're in ICU, if you've worked the floor, because you just can't do it.
1: 100%, 100%. I think there's also a, I think there's an a element of um, of a personal responsibility that I really like. Like, I I think it, you have to stick it, it to go to those specialty areas. You need to, I say, stick your neck out a little bit. I mean, that's a euphemism, right? But but like to go to to go to um, the case room right like delivering babies is no small deal and you need specialized training to go there and you have to go okay I'm going to leave this place that I'm kind of familiar with and I know what I'm doing to go to this sort of more intense more place you know like that that I need to learn how to do things all over again that you know it's going to be a bit of a show you know what I mean
0: well, and you may not and get I, to stay, right? Like so you, you have to pass and you have to thrive in that environment yeah. or they will tell you to go back to, you know, your previous unit. So, yeah. and that's happened. It's it's not something that rarely happens. It happens quite a bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. 100%. And I I think that that that's part of it like when I when I go to those specialty areas, I I when I wouldn't during my, you know, my years of, you know, moving around the hospital Doing other jobs, right? The um, uh, the people I met in those areas uh, tended philosophically to meet better with me. You know what I mean? Like you connected mm. with them. Yep. Not not to say, again, not to say that the nurses on the floor did not. You know what I mean? By any stretch, they were very dedicated people, and it, it takes all types. You know what I mean? But the the people that I you know, and I I think it's the same with is if you enjoy sport, right? You you, you enjoy sport. Well, I might do a sport, but I'm not into it. You know what I mean? I just kind of do it on the side. And you know what it's like when you, when you meet somebody that's really into it, they know everything about it. And they, you know, they have a click to hang with and whatnot. And I think that's sort of the same thing with our departments. A lot of people don't understand how vastly different nursing is, right? I mean, it's like medicine. There's a million different subspecialties, right?
0: Well, and that's exactly why I started this podcast. because mm-hmm. People are leaving the bedside and they mm-hmm. and they have no idea what else is out there. There's a million things out there. Like I want, I want to get all that information out there. And you, my friend, were not a fan of my podcast name, Beyond the Bed- <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> For the record, for the record, listeners, all three of you who happen to be, you know, stumble on this at this point in time, or uh, I wanted, I wanted her to call it Bedside Insight, which I thought was kind of clever, but. Uh, but you My would thanks, ask for sure.
0: royalties. I start putting ads in here. You'd want money. <laughs> <laughs> You're retired now.
1: That's right. That's exactly. It.
0: <laughs> but that's the point of the name, right? Is that there's just so much more than what people think it is.
1: Agreed. Agreed. hundred percent. And I, I can't tell you how many times like, like uh, um, at the poker table, you know, after the guys have had a few drinks, that's often now, again, quite often half the guys at the table are coworkers or nurses. Right. But but uh, I go to a buddy's place to play, and and they make a nurse joke like that. I'm a, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And and uh, and I, I get it. You know what I mean? There's a there's a, a a stereotype there. There's a meme there. You know what I mean? And I you know and I, I defend myself without much trouble. I like guess it's, it's, it's not like my feelings are hurt or anything like that. But I can't tell you how many of those guys or other people get admitted. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they go to me afterwards they go to I had no idea man I am so sorry and I'm like oh no it's cool man and it's like I know I had no idea what you do you know what I mean like you hear it from cops all the time right they come in with with guys in um in uh that are you know incarcerated or that they've arrested and and they have to stay with them and at the end of the shift god you guys like work like dogs you know what I mean and I'm like oh you don't do this no man we don't like guys it's crazy you know how intense it is right yeah I guess that's a compliment right
0: yep coming from the profession who is excluded from the bill but whatever that's like a completely different.
1: (laughs) yes agreed agreed
0: um so what got you into nursing like men in nursing now is a lot more common but I can't imagine it was as common 36 years ago.
1: It, it was, it was not. And and you want to talk about, you know, the razzing I got when, because then it was called male nurse. I was probably a couple of years into my career before I said, Hey, no, don't call me male nurse. I'm a nurse. It's not gender specific, but when yeah. I entered it, that's what you were called. You were called a male nurse. You're going to be a male nurse. Um, it, It's not a, um, it's not a good nursing career story in the sense that I always want to teach phys ed. Um, that, that, like, I, those were my role models growing up. Right. And, uh, uh, I just, you know, I, I like coaching. I, I love sports, you know, and, um, I had guys who were several years cause I, and I paid attention quite closely who, who went into it. Um, but again, I'm so young, right. You're still in high school. And those guys had graduated and were doing jobs because there was, again, hiring freeze on at that time, like late eighties, you know, the economy wasn't that good. And these guys were teaching math classes and, uh, you know, and and hating it. And I thought that's what they were going to be condemned to. Right. But I mean, that's pretty typical in any profession, but particularly in in, uh, teaching, you got to take the jobs and, you know, build up some hours before you get hired and get into the job you want. Right. Yeah. And, um, Yeah. So I, so I was like extremely discouraged because there's no way I wanted to go to four years of university and then two years of teaching school to teach math. You know what I mean? The whole thing I was trying to do, you know, was get out of class, not, not be in it. You know what I mean? And uh, what happened was I was sitting and this is, this is so me, right? I'm sitting at the back of the class and the teacher's talking and I'm looking out in the hallway and uh, you know, a group of uh, girls go by and I'm like, Hey, you know, where are you guys going? And they were going to a, um, a class um that was being presented by a, a student a nurse from um Lakehead University and uh, I just went to the teacher, hey i'm supposed to be in that nursing class thing you know and went literally just to see the girls right cuz and then sitting in that class uh it just it checked so many boxes right um uh, the uh presenter was excellent she was probably one of the best um, representatives of nursing i've met you know, certainly in that era, but, uh, and it just made a lot of sense. Um, and then, uh, of course that was a, you know, for Lakehead university, which is, you know, four years university prep, which is the, the uh, benchmark now, but there was a, um, community college in the town that I lived in, uh, and nursing was a two-year diploma program. And, you know, boom, two years later, I'm, you know, I'm a nurse.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, at that time with the two years, it was a good career out of only two years of, of education.
1: And this is the cutoff because I I listened to your uh, previous podcast, which is very good, by the way. Um, Thank you. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I I, I, I and your guest, um, I apologize. I can't remember her name, but she um, she said that she wouldn't pay for her daughter to go to school. Right. And uh, to to take nursing. And and I completely concur. Like I, I if it was a two year diploma program now, which I think it's better that it's a four year university. I think the the profession is going to benefit from it tremendously in the long run, particularly, I mean, it already has, I can tell the quality of, of the nurses coming out now it's better than I was certainly. And, and, um, and I, I think we're, we're um elevating our profession. Yeah. But, uh, but again, uh, for four years of university with the debt that I see girls, uh, I say girls, but nurses come out with, to work weekends and nights and be condemned in this province anyway to make less than a you know less than the cost of living increase in the middle of a pandemic when they're short everywhere and the place is on fire and they're like yeah we're you know sorry we're not going to give you jack you know what i mean yeah. it's i i don't i i just it doesn't make any sense to me you know what i mean i'm, I'm not i wouldn't discourage any of you want to do it go ahead and my neighbor across the way I'm, I just started, I say mentoring her, that's a big word for it, but she's just, um, she came over to, uh, knowing I'm a nurse to ask me some questions about it and whatnot. And, uh, and like I said, I wouldn't tell this to her, but like, if you would have asked me beforehand, I would have said, no, don't, don't do it. You know what I mean? Like there's so many other professions that you can go into. I think that, you know, for, for what you're going to put into it, you can get more out of.
0: Yeah. You make a really good point when you put it that way. And yeah, you're right you're you're putting all this money all this time four years of your life and the profession isn't really respected
1: i don't i don't think we're adequately compensated by a long shot especially considering how desperate we are you know uh i said we how healthcare is for nurses which is why ties directly into it right i mean with me ties one thing into another when i hear nurses on twitter which happens frequently or uh, I say Twitter, but social media, talking about how much they hate their job. I go, just leave. You know what I mean? Just leave. And they're like, oh, but I'm like, that's one thing nursing has in spades is there's jobs everywhere. You can literally, you can literally walk into any, I, and I'm not joking when I say this. I'm usually you know going over the top, but I'm not kidding. You can walk into any hospital anywhere in probably on the planet now and go, hey, I'm a nurse, and they'll be like. Hey, the whole interview, you want a job? System. Can, can you start today? Can you start, to, can you work tonight? You know what I mean? Like uh, there was an argument the other day about someone talking about, you know, should they recertify their CCRN? This is or you know, critical care um, uh, certificate. And uh, and I was like, I was like, uh, you know, the, I never understood, you know, paying to take a test to get some letters that you have to take next year to get the letters again. But, you know, if it's not a requirement, but I, I don't, I, I'm not against education the yeah. guy really, said oh well i'll well, really help your job you know status getting you know getting a job i'm like are you kidding me are you kidding? Me? like <laughs> yeah. I, like i just retired two days ago i guarantee you i could walk into any building in the city and go i'm a nurse and i can work that shit i always guarantee i can't believe that people think that you know what i mean which again to me it's a it's a philosophical thing about the way nurses think you know yeah. about themselves as well like we're partly responsible for where we are if you ask me but
0: yeah. And th- where did that come from? You know, like, why did, when did we start to just settle for one thing?
1: I think we're, um, uh, and again, I'm going to get a hate mail for this, but uh, no, I'm going to get the hate mail. <laughs> <Fair> enough, <laughs> fair enough. Predominantly, predominantly women. Right. Uh, and, and it's an old school profession that's rooted in, um, you know, we were nuns where we came from, right? Like, yeah. uh, I mean, that's no, where and we're a subservient to a physician who, no joke, they're, they run the show, you know what I mean? We are we are their, I say, assistants, you know what I mean? And uh, it has to do with a philosophy of, of the way we question and the, what we do and what we accept as roles and how we do it. And we don't work cohesively as a group, which is, I think, the number one problem. And I keep telling people, you know, like, that's where we need to start. We need to accept where we are and understand it. And and then, you know, when we understand where we are and why we are where we are, then we can start, you know, moving forward. But until that, it's just, it's scattered ideas and thoughts that aren't, you know, uh, cohesive, right?
0: Yeah. And like, I work with a lot of doctors, as do you. I mean, in ICU, we have our team that we work with and I feel I mean, we touched on this a bit at the beginning, but, you know, we're very respected and we have a lot of autonomy with them. Um, but I work a lot with general surgeons and I feel so included as part of their team. And I feel like my opinion and my specialty is is really heard. And but that's taken me 13 years to get to. If this was, you know, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have felt like that. I would have never called a surgeon and been like, yeah, that's a really bad idea. I don't think you should do that, (laughs) you know? But now I I do, I will call them and I do call them and I say, listen, this is the plan and this is why and this is what I think you should do based on this evidence. And that stuff needs to happen earlier because you can't only have the senior, more experienced and specialty nurses having these conversations. Everyone has to be on the same page.
1: And, and uh, there's, there's like, you know, to me, problem number, you know, 600 and a s- 6 million different problems that we have as a profession. And again, I'm not hating on the profession. I'm just, I think that like, for example, our pay scale stops at seven years. Right. And, yeah. and, and in year 36, I was still learning stuff. Right. And I, I can count the number of times people go, yeah, I don't know what we'd do if you weren't here. You know what I mean? Type of thing. And I thought, you know, but the thing is, so that I not paid anymore. You know what I mean? Like I can stop getting paid 20 You know, again, there's probably a pay bump at 25 years or something, but it doesn't make any sense. It's so, so um, uh, I want to say resource-based, but it's so uh, experience-based and, and it should the, we should recognize that as a profession, right? Like, and, and the way we're compensated should have friends that because it's not like, it's not like I'm better particularly with since computerized came in than the younger, kid but you're training those people right and you're and you're um and you're not compensated for that you know what I mean and then you work a night on a weekend on a long weekend and you get you know and I'm paraphrasing but you know you get 375 an hour I mean it's not like I'd, I I always used to say about working nights like I'll tell you what you keep the money I'll just work days you know what I mean? keep that 375 I'll, I'll just work day you know what I mean like it's yeah uh, it's it's a it's, uh, it's, it's it's not they it, it, It doesn't line up with what we do and the responsibility we have and the, you know, you said we, you know, we have, we're respected, but more so we're more trusted than any other profession. We're trusted as nurses more than physicians. Yeah. I mean, we're trusted more than they do surveys all the time. And, and, but we don't carry that cachet into the public, like the, the public trust us, but we don't get the reward for that. You know, we get pots and pans, which drives me mental. (laughs) <laughs> well, don't, get get me all wrong. Other don't get nerd. me wrong anyone anyone who bought banged a pot and pan thank you you know what i mean but but that's not what i want you know what i mean i i don't want i i mean if i have the choice between that and being paid properly i'd, I'd rather be paid properly
0: yeah i think i wrote about that at the time i remember being like yeah thanks for the support but like if you could vote vote accordingly in the next election i would rather that
1: <laughs> there you go and there's a perfect example again, Christy. Imagine as we added, as nurses, just in Ontario, voted as a group, you know, yeah. uh, we're yeah. a huge group alone just of votes. But imagine if we use that and what we had politically as, as clout and, and encouraged our families and our neighbors and our, I think it would be overwhelming the, the way we could move the needle. But wow. we don't. You know?
0: that's, that's why I'm talking to you. And that's why I'm releasing this podcast, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, there's a lot of complaining, but like, I just, I needed to do something. Mm-hmm. So this is all I've got.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: go back to to being a male, though, in the profession, because I I really wanted to touch on that because I I just don't think it's talked about enough. If it was a female in a male profession, it would be everywhere in the news. But what about a male in a predominantly female profession? How did you how was that for you?
1: Uh, It was super tough at the beginning, particularly because um, just like any other profession that's owned by a group you know what I mean and a minority comes in which is what I am at that time there's a lot of um i want to say hatred there's a lot of uh, pent up anger you know what I mean like this is mm-hmm. our place this is our you know what I mean there was a Were lot you? Of, um, yeah yeah there was a lot of uh, women uh dressed all in white with white shoes with um those habit hats that they used to wear right um who just you know treated me like garbage Simply because of my gender, right, and uh, and and um, I, I think some of it was justified in the sense that they've been crapped on their life is the way they saw it. By uh, you know at that time, physicians were you know male dominated, right, and mm-hmm. and uh, and maybe even patients, you know, they didn't see them with respect. And this was just an opportunity where I'm under their thumb, which in a lot of for a lot of those women, they never had that opportunity, right? They never had a guy, you know beneath them on uh, I want to say the social spectrum I don't, I'm not the right word for it but you know yeah. so I got a lot of grief for that and I understood it very early on and and it just motivated me to be better at at what I did or is what I the, the way I tried to deal with it and uh it uh dissipated once you you know had a little bit of knowledge base you know if you're in a room full of women and something breaks, and again, that sounds like a stereotype and I don't <laughs> want to get you to get the hate mail, but you know what I mean, right? Again, you go back 35 years, right?
0: Well, that's what I'm talking about is it was a yeah. long time ago.
1: Yeah. So I remember one time we admitted a, a trauma patient and the trauma patient came down without traction and they needed to put traction on the bed. Now I came from an orthopedics floor. But I mean, even there, it was the same thing. But in ICU, that was the first time, like, I, I slapped the traction together, and it was like I was doing a magic show, you know what I mean? Like, all the way, right? Because they just, they didn't do that. They, they were extremely competent. I can't talk about how competent nurses are in their craft, but they had never, you know what I mean, put a traction bed together. So when I was putting it together, they, you know, I could tell, and that was the first time I ever thought, oh, well, I'm gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be okay here. Like, if this is all I need to you know, to win people over, you know what I mean? That's going to be my thing, which, and it always was the equipment, the the machines or whatever. I, I made sure I knew them inside out better than anybody.
0: Yeah. Did you find that you ever got um like, so this has happened in our workplace. So I am going to try and say it very vaguely so it doesn't come across
1: so obvious, but um right.
0: I guess like violent. And then
1: I'm going to shout out the name of the person that you're persecuting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to get Ryan to beep it out. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you get a violent patient, right, you know, your four point leathers, your, your heavy, you know, five, 600 pound patients. Do you find typically as a male, you would be assigned to those patients?
1: Yeah. Now, now here's the thing about that, right. Cause I've had uh, other uh, nurses who are men I try not to say male nurses because it sounds like male and female nurses right, right. but I've had other uh, uh, nurses who are men say you know I always get the confused right and, uh, and I say well you might want to look in the mirror because <laughs> I is you get assignments generally you know that the charge nurse thinks are consummate abilities right Is is what I think I don't think that I think they had assigned the same way if, if you were assigning patients the way you'd do it right you're yeah. not going to give who you consider to be a weaker nurse the most complex assignment. Not that there's, you know, necessarily a hierarchy or whatever, but, um, and the other thing is, is like, if your wife was here, right, would you want her looking after the six foot six drunk biker who wants to murder women? You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> it, we it, laugh, but like, it's not funny. It's, true. Like, it's like, true.
1: I'm like, and I'm like, in the same sense that if we had, and I don't want to be dark here, but if we had a, female patient who has had somehow been violated you know what i mean by a man or whatever you know what i mean like obviously we'd put a woman in with her you know what i mean like and and it's not like i can't deliver uh, i say deliver a baby it's not like i can't look after a a who is uh pregnant right but uh, certainly in in the in the greater context of it the patient which is the goal right the patient would appreciate that right now the guy in the four point leathers, right? If you need to struggle with them or whatnot, and he's and he's aggressive, they they generally respond better. And this is just my impression to men, right? Who are saying, "Look, you're not getting out of it," you know what I mean? As opposed to, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, and, and again, I don't mean to characterize that. That's the difference between men and women in nursing. I'm just saying that I got those patients, but I, I never objected to it. In the same sense that if my wife, but, you know, I'm divorced now, but when I was married, was pregnant. I didn't want her looking after that guy. I'd take that guy in a second. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a kind of a, kind of a a catch 22 and you might feel that you always have that patient, but in the bigger scheme of things, it's appropriate and makes sense. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And there's a lot that goes into making the assignment with a lot of people's personal lives too. You know, like there's, there's certain nurses who we're not going to give suicide attempts to, you know, and there's, there's certain nurses who car accidents or traumas, we're going to avoid that because we know that they have personal situations that may not be a good fit for that patient. And like, we used to work with someone who, who really hated admitting a patient, much rather mm-hmm. would have a double, you know, so yep. have the double and one of one of us would admit it. So there's yep. people have their preferences too. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's, it's something I wanted to touch on because it's uh, it is a very touchy subject. So thanks for talking about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I tell this to this is this is one just for the nurses, right, that are listening. But I also tell people like I was a charge nurse, right? And um you're often you're not making it for people on your rotation, you're making it for another rotation, right? You might not know those people, you have a perception of them, right? Mm-hmm. But but generally what I would do is I would take the sickest, most vulnerable patient, like the one that needs the top notch, and put the best person that I can conceive of in that place right yeah and go staircase down from there right yeah and if you complain about your assignment after I've made it when you show up you know especially if you show up three minutes late really the way it is you don't know how difficult it is because I one time a nurse complained about it and I gave her the assignment to make the next day and she said I can't man I'm like yeah you're doing it I'm telling you I'm delegating this job to you because I want you to know you know what I mean and then you're gonna have 35 you know 35 you're gonna have 27 nurses come in tomorrow and be pissed off at you because you've screwed them over and yeah. then you're going to see what it's like. Yeah, so it's hard to see assignment 100% and what I always tell nurses is like like when the guy complains about it, what you should do is right don't stand here and complain about it. don't show up and get have that patient and complain about it you should call the night before. I've done this myself on numerous occasions, right? Where mm. I go, look, I think I tweaked my back, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? And I'm working days tomorrow. Can you just put me somewhere where, like, I got like a you know, not 500 pound guy who needs to go to CT and MRI and you know, be transferred and up to the chair? You know what I mean? And the charge nurse is more than happy to accommodate you. The charge nurse wants to give you the assignment that you like, right? But she cannot read your mind, she doesn't know that she may, after years, know that you like admissions and you like difficult patients and you like to sort of be chill and be with patients that are about to go home. Right. Yeah. But, but if you get assignments, you don't like, don't complain about it. Call the night before, when you're making the assignments, say, Hey, well, you know, I could really, you know, I haven't seen a neuro patient or a fresh vascular or a, you know, and she'll be more than happy to hook you up.
0: Yeah. I did that once with, uh, when I first started, I, there was a trauma that came in and um, patient was brain dead. And I w- I was like, I haven't done a Trillium case before. Can I continue with the set? Like I'm back tomorrow. The nurse isn't. Can I take the patient? Right? Like this is a good opportunity for me to learn how to deal with Trillium. And, and uh, like. Absolutely. Programing.
1: Absolutely. And I bet you the charge nurse who's an experienced, smart nurse who's been through the exact same thing goes. Yeah, absolutely. We can. Yes, yeah, really it wasn't a problem. Yeah. And if, and if she can't, right. Or for example, like, let's say I'm trying to learn uh, dialysis, right. And I've been shown the sled machine, oh, so, and, uh, and I'm not, I'm not that comfortable. Like I don't want to have the sickest guy in the unit and run it on day one. But yeah. I be beside, you know? Could I be beside? And and who has it? Oh, you know, you know, Jane Doe. Oh yeah, she's a bomb. Like she'll be able to, you know, run me through it and you know tune me up. And you know maybe the next day when she's not back, I could have that, right? Like then I'd be, you know, exactly. And you're seeking
0: out that. your own opportunities, which is important too. You need to find those opportunities where you can experience like gain that experience
1: 100 percent, 100 percent, and we do it all the time because I, I get nurses tell me oh i don't want to call them but they're, they're not being inundated with those phone calls right i mean i wasn't when i was charge nurse right it's far from it and the we get orientees right and the um educators would say hey could you put you know jane doe who's you know who's orientating john doe right uh to the unit could you put them somewhere with a you know trauma because the guy is from you know neuro he's never seen a trauma before like yeah no problem and if i can't i like, can I at least put you beside and you'll be able to see what's what right like
0: yeah well right? and that, go- that goes back to what you're saying about if you feel you're getting picked on by being a male and getting those heavy physically heavy and challenging patients at what point like the only person who stands up for you is you at the end of the day So if you do feel like that's happening a lot, it's your responsibility to to call and say, you know, I'm really tired of having this. Can I I have a change? Can I go on the other side of the unit today?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the thing there is as well, is that that I'm like, you know, you should really track your assignments because I know you feel that way, but I don't, you know what I mean? Like, like if we have, uh, you know, let's say 30 patients in the unit. The, that that one that's that way you know what i mean that's you know um in uh, uh withdrawal you know and is, yeah. you know yeah. off the hook and there's a four-point race. there's one maybe and they're like one a week and they're there like it's usually two days before we sort of get on, on top of them in a, above, in a pharmacological way yeah. there's no yeah. way now again maybe you are you know it's possible but I, I i bet that's not it i bet you feel that way to a large extent but i bet that's not it just like when someone says, oh, I've been doubled. And I'm like, you know, I've been doubled. This is the third time I've been doubled or whatever. And I'm like, well, okay, you don't work on the other side because COVID or whatnot, you know what yeah. I mean? And and every other patient in the department now is doubled. So yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I know you feel persecuted, but if you do the math, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's it's true. I went in for overtime a couple of weeks ago and I had <laughs> I had a pretty rough assignment. And the second I sat down, both the nurses giving me a report because I was doubled. They both looked at me and they went, oh, man, you're going to have a horrible day. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, yeah, but I'm looking around. And, you know, to my right, they're going off to scan and they're, there's two nurses. They're pushing all the pumps in the world that we have. And then to my left, you know, they're get into bed, get into bed, you're going to fall. And I'm like, there's, there's really like no good assignments. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll just yeah. take my fate for today and yeah. I'll deal with what comes.
1: And I had a pretty yeah. good and my line there is that those two nurses should do as much as they can to make your assignment better. You know what I mean? Without like, okay, just so you know, I did this and I did this and I did that. It should just be a mutual respect thing. Yeah. And uh, they did, of course. Right. Uh, uh, there you go. Which is good. And they should, right. They should. And, but I hate that. I, I hope you have your running shoes on. That used to be like a when I first started, I'm like, and my line would used to be when they'd come back in the morning. I don't care how crazy it was. They'd be like, "Oh, did you survive?" And I'm like, "No, I went for a four hour break. You know, it wasn't true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, no, I'm gonna, make, I'm gonna do this and make it look easy. Like, I, I don't like, I hate that when you come on and they're like, "Oh, your night's gonna be horrible." Like, what a, what a terrible thought process <laughs> to give somebody you know who hasn't who hasn't even settled in yet, and you're already telling, "Oh, your night's gonna be terrible. This is terrible." <laughs> <laughs> Probably me mental. So on that note, I'm going to take a sidebar here. Just, I was, uh, in the cafeteria, uh, one time I'm talking about nurses and support and whatever, right. Cause of yeah. us as a group, right. I guess I think it ties to this and, uh, there, there was a group of, um, uh, student nurses. Uh, I could tell by the way they're dressed and whatnot, sitting a couple of tables over the cafeteria is empty because it's late in the day. And, uh, one girl shows up late and, uh, cause they're waiting for her to start their study group or whatever. And, uh, they said, Oh, why are you late? Whatever. And then she started talking about how her the nurse that she was working with, the the actual staff nurse that the student was working with, was treating her horribly, right? And Aww. going over everything and accusing. I know, right? And I listened to this and the all the nurses said the same thing, right? All the these student nurses talked about how horrible the staff were to them, right? I am done my supper. I'm going to take my chair. I walk over and I go, look, I couldn't overhear what happened. I'm like, I'm not going to, you know, talk about anything. I just, I want to ask you as a group, right? As, as the future of nursing that you are, why do you think that is? Like why? And they can't give me an answer. Now, maybe it's because they're afraid because I said, I experienced this and I think just about every nurse does and it doesn't make sense to me. I could almost make sense of it if it was a hazing, you know what I mean? Like you were going to, you're in the Marines, and when you start, you got to prove yourself. You know what I mean? And they grab <laughs> on you all the time. But it's not, it's like, and it's not even a rite of passage. And I, I've i only had, like, I had one scholarly, you know, uh, prof say they thought it was learned behavior, that you learn that's what you do. I wondered if it was just that you're trying to deflect, you know, your feelings downhill. You know what i like? Like, it's a pecking order type of thing. I but hate the- that. It was. And the part that really killed me to to me, again, I'm going to my personal thing, is that the nurses who were horrible to me, like in the beginning, when I put that, you know, I I go back to when I put that ortho frame together, when I started finding, it took me about a year, right? And I started finding my thing. And then I became, I say, a player. And you know what I mean, right? I started being somebody, I started being the go-to guy for stuff, right? Those people that wanted to come up and befriend me now, dude, your day is done with me. We are not going to be friends. You're never going to get an attaboy from me. You can't be part of my crew. You know what I mean? Like, like, like it's done because that's the way I work it. And that that's your punishment for crapping on me. When I came through the door, going back to these, uh, these students, I said, you know, I don't know why it is, but you guys have to fix this, right? You guys can't do this. You guys have to remember how you feel now And when new people come, don't do this to them. Don't be part of that culture. Break that cycle because I see it happen and I can't stop it. Like, even when I'm the senior nurse and then I come in and they're all crapping on Jane. I'm like, Jane Doe's new. Jane Doe's just trying to learn it out. Like, don't, don't. Help her. Yeah, help her. Exactly. Help her. Exactly.
0: Exactly. I I was treated like that. When I first started, I consolidated with someone and I was on medicine and she was horrible to me.
1: And I I remember. do you remember me telling you you blogged it yeah you blogged it yeah I I read it yeah Yeah. Yeah,
0: so I I I always wanted to be like I wanted to be the IV person I was like I want to be really good at this like this is a task I want to be really good at and I would I remember I would go in and I would not get it immediately and she would like almost like not physically push me but she's using her body to move me out of the way and being like that's enough you have to stop and like I was so upset and I was like, you have just motivated me now to be the best at this. And mm. I went around with the phlebotomists. I went around with the educators. I, re- I remember once I did everyone's blood work for four hours with the phlebotomist. And I was like, I'm going to be really good at this. And, um, and I am, I am really good at that, really good at it. And when I'm on the floors, um, you know, a, there's a few of them and they're like, yeah, you're, you're pretty good at this. Hey, I need an IV, not a problem. And, mm. and you know, um, say. I I'm like I can get this for you if you're trying to put in an IV I'll do it right now for you and I like I'll show them my tricks and I'll show them my what I do and how to thread it in instead of puncturing the vein all the way through and you know these little mm-hmm. things and I always thought I'm never going to treat a nurse the way my preceptor treated me I'm never going what to
1: a, do that good for you good for you and I, I think that's again as a group that's what we need first I, I think part of the reason we don't have that Cohesion is that most of us experience that, and in, in almost in a regular basis still. Like we're, I say we, but the, as a group, you probably can't tell me. I can think of a couple of times in thirty-six years that I heard one physician shit on another physician. Oop, there you go. There's a blurb you're gonna have to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but nurses, oh man, I can I can tell you. You know what I mean? And and people say to people laughing at home, going, "Man, oh, I've watched you go off on half the department, nurse," and I'm like, "You're right. This is what." this is what we do. You know what I mean? We, we, we bitch about our coworkers and you know, that if you don't like some, it's fine. But, but as a profession, we, we just, we, we eat our young, which is that student analogy. Right. And we, but
0: you should be lifting them up. You should be empowering them to be better and to, you know, if you have a problem with someone address it and then maybe they don't know that they do that or maybe take it as a teaching opportunity. I like, I love that about, about what I do in wound care is when people are interested or they're like, Oh, you, you wanted to come at one, but our students are on break. Then can you come at two? Absolutely. Like Mm -hmm. bring all your students in, like, let me, let me try and make this a positive experience for them. And I think because I had such a negative one Mm -hmm. and then that's why when I met you during that race call
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: you know, I was, I was totally thrown to the wolves with that race call. The nurse just took off. Uh, yeah, I had like, a little bit of chest pain, but like I'm really hungry, so I'm going to go to break, and I was like, no, you're not, and he said, yeah, well, no, I am, though, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, fuck, what am I, okay, and then I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm not prepared for race to come in, I don't know anything about the patient other than chest pain, and I told you that, and then you taught me all about ECGs, you know, and I was like, this is exactly how it should be, you should be empowering other nurses and you should be lifting them up and teaching them and helping them along, not, not putting them down and not destroying them and not eating your young.
1: Mm hundred percent. And what I tell people is, is that anything that I've taught you, somebody taught me, you know what I mean? Like some of it, I might've picked up on my own. Like a, if there, like I said, if there's a new piece of equipment in the department, I go, you know, like a, a demo model, I go in and you name it. You know, I try to do everything with it to to learn it back and forth better than the rep did. You know what I mean? I try to see every conceivable thing, but, but the rest of it, like ECGs, that's not easy to learn. You have to have someone to teach you. And, and, and I had quality people, a lot of them physicians, a lot of them just motivated residents walk you through and sometimes over and over again, different people. Right. And if you can, if you can um, consolidate that knowledge and then hand it to another nurse at a nursing level. Right. Not that you're, you know, level below or whatnot, but somewhere, you know, as a beginner, as a neophyte into into um, ECGs. Right. It, it It's tremendously, you know, uh, it, again, it, it helps us all. Right. Yeah. Ultimately, it's going to help the patient. Yeah. Can I start with uh, I saw in the. Um, in the promo for this that you said uh marcel retired during the pandemic which made it made i thought i read all oh, this there's a there's a rat leaving a sinking ship like, <laughs> like, he left you know the pandemic i'm out, and <laughs> out the door. No. no no i saw the tail end of the the third wave and believe me and I, i'm being 100 honest here uh, i was again listening to your your podcast with your previous guest and and um and my experience is vastly different from yours in the sense that I was I called my daughter who was working in Banff and begged her to come home long before it had showed up here. Like I was watching it on uh, social media. And at first, you know, those first things are going on in Wuhan. Is it real? You know what I mean? Well, long before it was in the news or anything else. And then I was trying to tell people like, there's roadblocks there like I, I it's hard to validate it right but they had people wandering through the hospital showing people in the hallways and stuff and they were talking about the death rate and whatnot and then it was man it was November I think right like it didn't show up here until after Christmas right but in November again like it showed uh, it like, showed
0: up here in March and um of, of,
1: the, of that spring but I'm saying this is just it before that the Christmas yeah. before like in November there was an epidemiologist at, at at Harvard. Like now, now I can start validating this stuff, right? Yeah. And he's like, "This is the real deal." Like the R O factor is like almost with measles, which is the most communicable disease we have, and it's killing people at X rate, right? And then the next one after that was, and it was right around Christmas. There was a, a resident who worked in you know California who went to do a locum in northern Italy, and he was talking about what was happening, and he goes, "And this is not a." a third world, you know, half-ass healthcare system here. This is the real deal. And um, so my point was, as I was totally, I say totally freaked out. I mean, I was, I was pretty ramped up before it even showed up. And then when it showed up and we saw their first case and I (laughs) I never forget this because, uh, Um, yeah, he, um, uh, a first case showed up in the one of those rooms we had reverse isolation everyone was wearing 995s and whatnot and you know hazmat suits I want to say but you were so geared up and people like were like looking at me going do we go in and I go no you know what I mean the nurse is in and nobody goes in there unless it's necessary and I (laughs) turned gearing up right and I'm like what are you doing and he goes I'm doing what I do, Mars. I'm doing with it, and I'm like, oh <laughs> I can hear him saying it. <laughs> oh no, it was was like no, like this is what we do, right? Like I'm not, you know what I mean? And I'm not, like totally, it changed my perspective of it. But I swear to God, I told him this afterwards. For like two weeks, I watched him like every day. You know what I mean? Like I didn't take his temperature, but I'm like his color's okay. Hey. <laughs> Smell this cookie. Do you smell this? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because it was like the test case. And then, like, so way sooner than everybody else, I'd seen dozens of cases because on race we were seeing them in you know in the in the yeah. um yeah. on the floors, and nobody was coming down with it. And then I knew a couple of people who had it and were fine, and then it was cool. But when everybody else was like, ah, I'm scrubbing every inch of the thing and sleeping in their basement, it was already, it was already behind me almost, you know what I mean? Like I So and I got vaccinated also because I was on a race team. I got vaccinated like crazy early. I had to show my vaccination somewhere, and the lady looked and she said no. Like it was like it was like the day after it came out kind of thing. You know what I mean? And she goes, "Is this legit?" And I'm like, "Yeah, you know, explain it to them." (laughs) I was vaccinated
0: really early too because of consults. Right, I was seeing people right before they'd come down with symptoms, and then I I'm everywhere so yeah it was uh yeah you're you're definitely a high risk to transmit it so let's get you vaccinated (laughs) i'm like thank you yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: i I I remember sitting in uh i traveled and i remember i left uh january end of january i went to australia for five days which is not very long time but it's all i had to see family and um i remember sitting before i left and was watching the news about the fires. And I was, someone, someone said to me like, are you sure you should be going? It's probably my mom or something. Mm. I was like, no, it's fine. It's just fires, whatever. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to go into the bush. I'm going to be fine. Mm. Um, and then when like the closer and closer, it got to me leaving the more and more COVID stuff came out. I remember my last day at work, we got our first email from our CEO and, um, I remembered thinking, huh, (laughs) this is real. And, um, And then, as I was sitting in LAX looking at the TV monitors of the flights, and all the Wuhan ones were canceled, canceled, canceled. And that was such a bizarre feeling because you don't just shut down a city, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And especially to air travel and to people coming in and out to visit family. And I just thought, this is, I should not be going to Australia right now. But here I am, like, and then on the way home was even worse the masks were were everywhere sanitizer in the bathrooms in the airplane which is like you know they don't give you anything that you could potentially drink or or whatever and uh i yeah i there was just this fear about it and i remember being like i, I need to go home i need to go home and i'm yeah. sure i'm not going anywhere for a long time
1: the the takeaways i really have from it is and agree. my my thoughts on the pandemic is i mean number 1 would be i, I I don't know if the public appreciates like in in um in our ICU uh that was the the busiest it had ever been and then not just that we had double cohorts that like we were running 100 and I think at one point we're 156 capacity right like 156 occupancy of of the you know the the beds that were funded or scheduled for and we were planning on having more we were i think we could go to 210 or something like that which is crazy right we're, i think
0: i think we could have gone up to 265 i there think you um, there you go know, there you go and, and i assume be that names said.
1: have them in the hallways and everything else but like Thank you yeah the the it was unbelievable that we were there and the acuity of those patients was i i used to tell people i would go to to race calls right and a patient with uh we say 200 oxygen because they have 100 percent running in their nose and 100 percent running over the top of it with a mask right yeah. would have sats in the 80s when he moved like he'd turn around or whatever right yeah and that was just okay we were just like yeah and i, 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 used, I like this this patient would have come four days ago like when <laughs> you're when you're at 100 oxygen and your Sats are 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 not you know perky we bring you and this guy was just one of you know what I mean? Like we could call it and the the resident would be like, I don't know why they called you about this guy. The guy down the hall is worse. (laughs) I would be like, how could he be worse? We're giving him, (laughs) we're giving him all the capacity of oxygen we have. And it's still like not good for his body. You know what I mean? Like you don't absorb it. It it almost like wasn't worth it. It, it totally moved the dial. You know, it's what I call in the business, ringing the bell. You know what I mean? Like when you see a blood pressure of, of 250, I say, you know, that's the highest blood I say, oh, that rang your bell. I like, wait, wait for your career to go on. And they go, you've seen past that. And I was like, I've seen one where I've inflated the cuff and it maxes out at 300, I think. And you could still hear the guys beat as if it was a regular <laughs> pulse. You know what I mean? Like it literally couldn't obliterate, it, you know what I mean? And, and it, you know, you ring the bell, but that, that rang the bell for so many different, like, again, it, it was crazy. The, the other thing that, that a takeaway was I could not believe how the policies changed moment to moment, to moment, to moment, to moment at the beginning. And I was like, isn't this a, just a droplet born thing like influenza A, this is our wheelhouse here. Why are we so, you know, you wear an N95. No, you don't, you close the door, they're on reverse. Selection. No, you leave it open unless it's aerosol. You know, like it constantly changed every day. And I thought this is not a good look for us as a profession to not know what the hell we're doing right like yeah and who are we taking direction from? and then you'd hear the cdc saying a and then you'd be doing a and then you the some administrator tell you no we don't do that here and i'm like the cdc was on cbc yesterday it was like (laughs) the head of the cd and they'd be like oh no but that's that's not hospital policy i'm like how could our policy be different from the cdc like as in the anyway But,
0: but that was the first wave right no one it was all so confusing because everyone was learning but that there, there's nothing, I don't know if I'll ever forget. Like, I feel like I'll be like 80 years old, a grandmother telling these double cohort, bed A, bed B stories, military flying these patients in. And it was it was just so surreal. Like, mm. I don't know if we'll ever see something like that again. I hope not, to be honest. Mm. But uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty intense. And, you know, there's part of me who... I find discussions like this and the writing and, and, you know, now this podcast, I find it very therapeutic. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very happy that I got to come back and be part of it because there's the team aspect that we had. And, you know, I was lucky enough to come back on the other half of my old line. So I still work mm-hmm. with, uh, with your line. Mm-hmm. And I was very lucky to come back with people who I knew and people who knew me and how I worked and, and it was, it was just a very familiar situation that I was able to go back to. So I am very happy that I got to come back and join it. And uh, this is how I'm dealing with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talking to you, I, Javier.
1: I was impressed. And I tell the, I told this to people, and I like, I like to the public, I was impressed with how my people during the third wave, right? Because you had the first wave, you freaked out. The second wave, we kind of know what's going on and we're, you know, working in a group. Of, and the third wave resets the bar and like is going to obliterate everything that happened before it. It wasn't even and
0: comparable our, to the other two waves. And, it was a completely
1: different COVID. But our people leaned into it. They, they like, I was totally impressed with how all the bitching and moaning stopped. All the, you know, my assignment is crazy kind of stopped. You know what I mean? People just did what we do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and it's a credit to the profession because it was hard on everybody. I mean, the, the physicians doubled up on their staffing, you know what I mean? The, um, like if there was consummate and the, the public sent, uh, food like every other day, you know what yeah, I mean? Like awesome. the restaurant would bring stuff, you know what I mean? And then, and then, and they, they caught him real quick. Cause the first time, <laughs> first time it was a buffet. And I went into quad, uh, who, uh, <laughs> who, um, said, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know the, the, the someone wanted to send us something. I said, uh, I, I called him at home. I think because I don't think he was here, and I was like, "Dude, they sent a buffet," and he's like, "Yeah, whatever." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's the middle of the pandemic, dude. You can't. We can't. We can't all be eating from the same." Body. And he's like, "Oh my god," you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, oh, you know, there's a million things going on, right? And then after that, everyone sent stuff in individual packages. You know what I mean? Like the 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 even the public adapted to what we were trying to you know do, right? I, I was pretty impressed.
0: Well, you know on weekends how the docs buy us um bagels. Yeah. They were not allowed to do that. And then they thought I remember one of them telling me, this is ridiculous. If if the only thing I can do for you guys today is buy you breakfast, he had every bagel individually wrapped
1: for all of her. And I'm
0: just like, that's so sweet.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh but yeah, it was uh it was a shit show, wasn't it?
1: It uh it, it was um it, it it was quite something to um you know when you, you think about again going back to you know retiring i always wondered what that retirement do would be like and it, it there was none i mean and i'm not sad there's lots of people who retired before same thing you know what yeah. i mean like we had a little get together but even that was like people in masks and scattered out and you couldn't hug anybody and you know like uh it, it was it was um which is one of the things I tried to tell the youngsters when they were, when, before the first wave came and, and they were freaked out, I'm saying like, like, you know, all the stories that I tell you, right. And you know and they're like, yeah, you know, I tell you that story about whoever, you know, you always laugh about it or whatever. You ask me to tell it, you know, this is your story. This is going to be your story. You're going to have this, you're going to tell the story to be in there and go, Oh, come on. There was five patients in this room. And I'm like, there was five patients in this room and we we're trying to figure out how to put a six in. We had them them angled in corners. You know what I mean? You had to turn sideways to get in and they're like, Oh, come on. You know? I know. I remember,
0: you know, our AB situation where you were admitting in B and I had the patient in A, Mm -hmm. I I like really needed my bedside table and it was over in the corner. And I was like, I can't get to it. And I just don't think that I need it that badly. I'm just gonna set up on my med cart. Yeah. (laughs) Like there's just no space. And like people don't understand. And an ICU bed, sure, like the beds look okay if that's all you needed. But if you're admitting these COVID patients, they're on just all the things, every Mm. med, you know, and Mm. then you're proning. So you've got two RTs, six people in there to turn. There's there's no room. There's just no room to move. And uh, it was, yeah, it was really something.
1: Mm, agreed.
0: Well, Marcel, this has been amazing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I've got Enjoyed to go. It. Yeah. Yep. We'll have to do it again soon. Okay. Absolutely. Thanks for talking to me. Talk to you soon.
1: Good luck. Take care.
0: Bye.